Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of Money and Stuff. I'm your host, Sam Rodriguez, uh, certified financial planner, co-founder of Foundation Wealth Partners. With me as always, Connor Shepard. Connor. I'm here. Let's uh let's uh let's talk about what the people are here for. So last week we talked about what did we talk about last week? Uh, social security, we're, we're still sticking with the topic and we were talking about taking social security early, what that could mean ah, for you right. taking it. Yeah, that's right. Retirement so, so, that. so this month is, is social security month, right? So we're talking all things, social security, sort of your top questions. Um, you know, we talked about how it was calculated a few weeks ago. Last week, we talked about uh, what happens if you take it early, what happens if you delay your filing. Um, another big question we get is how is my social security going to be taxed? So we'll talk mm-hmm. about that today. Yeah. So we'll talk yeah. about how it's taxed, what determines how it's taxed, what's not taxed, just uh, kind of how it all goes. Yeah. Yeah. We we definitely get that question a, a good bit. And, you know, people asking us, why why are we being taxed on our social security? Um, do you think that would be a good jump, I guess, jumping off point? Yeah, I think so. I think I think starting off with why we're taxed, because, uh, you know, a, a lot of people that we talk to are surprised when we even tell them that their Social Security is taxed. A lot of people believe that it is non-taxable income. Uh, but just like most things that we talk about in finance, the answer really is, you know, if, they, if people ask us, is my Social Security going to be taxable? The answer is it depends. Right. <laughs> so um, I think I think a lot of people. I don't know if they remember or they just assume, but at one point, Social Security was not taxable. So if you were receiving Social Security income, none of it was considered taxable because the way Social Security works is, you know, people who are working now, the money that they're putting into it pays for the people who are actually receiving Social Security. And for a long time, those numbers worked out well, right? Uh, at the beginning, there were five workers for every one person receiving benefits. Um, and then in the 1970s, that began to shift rather rapidly, right? Uh, one, because people were living longer. And then two, uh, there was a high unemployment rate in the 70s and into the early 80s, right? So you had fewer workers because of unemployment and more uh, benefit recipients because uh, people were living longer, right? Modern medicine was getting better and better and better. People started living longer. So there were more and more recipients, right? By 1982, um, the amount of money that was coming in was much, much different. So yeah. in 1980, um, 1983, yeah, in 1983, there was a, a strong bipartisan bill passed um, that was signed by into law by Ronald Reagan that said, hey, if your um, income crosses certain thresholds, parts or a portion of your social security can actually be taxable. And what this did was actually shore up the shortfall in social security. So- um, just like we're we're experiencing, you know, we're looking ahead right now and seeing that there may begin to be a shortfall um, within the next 10 years or so. They were facing the same problem at that point in time. And what they didn't want to do was reduce benefits. So they were looking for ways to, one, either gener- generate revenue or two, um, to decrease the amount that was going out. What they did to decrease the amount that was going out was part of that bill, increase the age, right? Um, you know, it used to be 65, then 66, and now 67. Um, and then the other part was to begin taxing your social security benefits. And that money that is taxed for social security actually goes back into sort of the pot to help fund it. Right. So that's why social security is taxable now. Interesting. That actually, I, I actually did not realize that, uh, we had faced a similar situation in the past with social security in terms of, you know, seeing that five, 10 years out, Hey, we're going to be running out of money or, you know, the balance sheet on it is not coming out even, um, 
I, I didn't realize that we'd faced something like that before. So that actually uh, makes me a little more or a little less stressed about, you know, about us facing it again. Gonna, yeah, yeah. I guess like it doesn't make yeah, yeah. it any less uncertain, but knowing that they've dealt with it before tells me, okay, it's not, at least it's not an unknown to them yeah. completely. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a problem we faced before. Um, issue is you think about that, that was 1983, right? So, I mean, 40 years ago. <clears throat> so our generation of lawmakers did not experience that. Right. Um, and, and they did not face that problem. M majority of them would have been either children, some of them maybe not even born yet, or maybe in their early 20s, you know, at that time. Yeah. So, um, so it's something that we've faced as a country, but not something that most of these lawmakers that, that are in office now um, were present for. Right. So it's, yeah. it's a little bit of a new um, problem for them. Right. Um, they're not necessarily doing it in a bipartisan manner. Um, you know, you can imagine just as the things that they're proposing today are not popular, you know, saying that we're going to tax your Social Security benefits somewhat and raise the Social Security age, you know, back in 1983, that that was not popular then either. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, for, for those of us who didn't know any better, I mean, I'm not I'm not taking Social Security yet, but, you know, what I know Social Security as is just what it's always been. Right. Yeah. So it usually takes about a generation for everybody to get over it. And then it's just, okay, that's what it is. Right. So let's take that into um, how do you determine if your social security benefits are taxable and how do you determine what portion of your social security benefits are taxable? Right. So yeah, how do you know, how do you figure out what portion of your social security is taxable? Well, just like last week, I was talking about having to calculate what your benefit is. You don't have to do it yourself. Right. Oh, thank God. The IRS will tell you how much taxes you owe on your Social Security. But from a planning perspective, what we do for clients is help them proactively plan so that way maybe less of their Social Security is taxable because there is a calculation called your provisional income. And your provisional income is what determines if or how much of your Social Security is taxable. So here's how you calculate your provisional income you take your adjusted gross income plus any non-taxable interest, things like, uh, so so a lot of retirees have things like municipal bonds where they're receiving the income interest from, right? That they don't get uh, taxed from a federal perspective. But when it comes to calculating your, um, what I just call it, provisional income, <laughs> it, it is counted. So, yep. you take, so, you, so you add that back in there, you add back in your adjusted gross income and your non-taxable interest. And then you take half of what your social security benefit is for the year. And you add those those numbers together. So adjusted gross income plus non-taxable interest plus one half of your Social Security benefit that equals your provisional income. So okay, yeah, exciting. So so a lot of people are like, well, what's my adjusted gross income? So if you if you wanted to find it, you could go to your tax return, look at Form ten forty, look at line eleven. That's your adjusted gross income. That's your income after your deductions and everything like that. Right? That's your your adjusted gross income. So. Now, what the provisional income determines, again, is how much, if any, of your Social Security is going to be taxed. So if that provisional income is below $25,000 if you're a single filer or $32,000 if you're a married filing joint um, taxpayer, then none of your benefit is taxable, right? If you're below that, if, if $25,000 for single and $32,000 for married, married filing jointly, then none of your Social Security benefit is taxable. Again, that's if your provisional income is below those numbers. If you cross those thresholds, then up to 50% of your Social Security is taxable. 
Now, I'm not saying the tax you owe is 50%. What I'm saying is up to 50% of your money or of your social security benefit has to be included in your taxable income. So, you know, if your social security benefit was $20,000 and you cross that threshold, you know, up to 10,000 of that has to be calculated into your income to determine what the taxation is. Now, in terms of how much taxes you pay on it, it all depends on the tax bracket you fall into. What the provisional income helps you determine is how much of your social security is going to be taxed at the tax brackets that you're in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I was going to ask sort of a follow-up question because um, you're talking about the calculation, the different uh, variables in the calculation, um, whether it's AGI, the uh, the second thing that you said about the- uh, Adjusted gross income, non-taxable in, non interest. Non-taxable non -taxable interest. Uh, is there- is there anything not included in the provisional income calculation that I guess maybe people should know about or be aware, hey, yeah. this won't be like in the in the picture? Yeah. And, and that's where planning really comes in, right? Is you, from a standpoint of what we do as financial planners is we help people figure out what of the income they're receiving in retirement is going to be part of that adjusted gross income. And one of the things that's not included in there is going to be any withdrawals you're taking from something like a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, right? Mm. Um, so I think we may have had an episode on tax diversification. And if we haven't, we should have one, right? There's a lot of people out there right now talking about, you know, trying to scare you into what taxes are going to be like in the future and um, trying to get you to move all of your money into some non-taxable vehicle. Um, and I mean, will that help you avoid taxes in the future? Yes, right? However, you've got a way what does that transaction cost me today compared to in the future and determine you know, what gives you the most amount of money over your lifetime. And so we, what we help people to determine is how much of their money should they have in these non-taxable areas like um, you know, a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. Could a life insurance policy work? Yeah, yeah, maybe, right? But it's all a matter of how strategic do I need to be in setting these things up? So that way, when you actually get into retirement, we can determine how much money comes from these different pools yeah. to present you to the IRS as a lower income earner. So that way your provisional income is lower and perhaps you can keep more of your social security from being taxed. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No. And it, I'm it, just checking in with you because I feel like I'm just rambling and I, I don't know. I'll, I'll call you on it. If you ever start rambling, believe me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, that, that made total sense. And I think if we haven't done, we may have done an episode on different tax buckets, but if we didn't do one on tax diversification, that would be really good because, you know, like you said, helping people have the knowledge and providing them with the understanding of, hey, look, for this calculation of your income, these are the buckets that they're not looking at. So that's how we can yeah. go through allocating your money. The Yeah. I just think you it's know, very interesting, the educating side. Yeah. Even if we've done an episode, it wouldn't hurt to do another one. Maybe we go more in depth because I think what people need to understand is, is it's it's not necessarily about how do we create tax-free income as much as how do we give you more control over your taxes, right? Yeah. Because if you can control how much money you pull from these different sources of income and really present yourself in different ways to the IRS from a taxable standpoint, um, you don't necessarily need all of your money to be tax-free. You just need mm -hmm. to be able to determine, you know, given how much money you need for the year and where tax brackets are for the year, determine how to keep your tax bracket as low as possible, right? And and, and understanding what your provisional income is from a social security standpoint is a really key point to that. So I'll go back to the threshold of, 
you know, uh, 25,000 for single and 32,000 for um, married filing joint, you know, those that provisional income, once you cross those, that's when some of your social security starts getting pulled in for tax purposes. There is another threshold, right? If you cross 34,000 for single filers or 44,000 for married filing jointly on that provisional income, then up to 85% of your social security can be, can be pulled in for tax purposes, right? It's a more complicated calculation, right? There's, you know, that's why I keep saying up to, right? So somewhere between 50 and 85, that all depends on how far you cross over those thresholds. Mm -hmm. So understanding where your provisional income is, is pretty important, especially if you're doing things like Roth conversions after you retire, you know, mm -hmm. you may say, yes, um, I'm in a lower tax bracket. This doesn't cost me very much, but you also got to know, well, does it then pull more of my money from social security into my tax base and actually cause me to pay a lot more taxes than I thought I would have. And so that's, again, what we as planners do is look at it and, and play out all the what ifs and say, what, what really should we do? Right. I think an important thing to know about these thresholds, one that blows my mind a little bit is these thresholds haven't changed in 30 years. Yeah. So these thresholds were uh, created. So that way people with higher retirement incomes would pay taxes right? Um, what was considered a high retirement income in 1983 and 1993 are not the same as now, right? Yeah. But those numbers have not changed. I will say, I don't know if they're going to change because I, I mean, simple math would tell me if they raise those thresholds, then less of your money's being taxed and less money's going back into social security. And it sort of exacerbates the problem that we already have. So I doubt that they'll increase them, but that's a pretty, um, Low you know, threshold. it's pretty surprising. Yeah. When you think about what the intent was, was the intent yeah. was to get high income earners to pay taxes on this money. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a high income earner to cross these thresholds anymore. Right. So how, how your social security is taxed comes down to something called your provisional income. Your provisional income is calculated by um, taking your adjusted gross income plus your non-taxable interest plus half of your social security benefit. And if you cross certain thresholds, then some of your social security may be brought in to that taxable uh, income. So again, those thresholds, if you're single are 25 and 34, right? Over 25,000 and up to 50% of your social security can be brought in as taxable. You cross that $34,000 threshold up to 85% of your social security can be brought in as taxable. And if you're married filing jointly, those thresholds are 32 and 44,000. So not overly complicated. Actually, the, the deeper calculation is kind of complicated but for simplicity's sake those are the numbers you government does it for you anyway government, government does, does it anyway. <laughs> government does it don't worry about checking what they're doing yeah just... they they they, ha they care about you you know they, they treat everybody like an individual you're not just a number in the computer that's right that's right all right another fantastic episode of money and stuff um do we have a topic for next week yet i mean we can if we wanted to we could Try and tackle that tax diversification. You know what? Um, is there anything? Did we have a fourth topic for Social Security to round out the month? Oh, you know what? We talked about a little. You know what? Let's just go deeper into what we're facing with Social Security right now. Let's do that. Okay. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. So next week. Yeah. Next week. Let's talk about uh, what the situation is. Uh, what is going to happen in the next 10 years with Social Security if we don't do anything? What some of the proposals are, how they affect things, um, who they may affect. I'm going to stop. Otherwise, I'll, I'll just keep I'll talking. And yeah, yeah. Everybody on here will get bored. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Next week, we'll talk about what's happening with Social Security. Uh, 
what happens if, if we don't do anything, what some of the proposals are that are on the table right now and how they may affect you. Again, if there's ever anything that you guys um, have in terms of questions, things you want us to talk about, email Connor, C, C Shepard. As in cat, Shepard. As in Shepard. Actually, it's not as in Shepard. It is S-H-E-P-A-R-D, C-S-H-E-P-A-R-D at foundationwealthpartners.com. Uh, send a question to Connor and we'll talk about it. Good enough. Thank you. All right. <laughs> or email him whatever you want. Connor loves me yeah. email. You want like a pen pal and you just want to be able to talk to Connor? Shoot him a message. Shoot me a message. Yeah. I'm fun. He's a good email conversationalist. We'll see anyway. I'm assuming Definitely. you are. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.